0: Welcome to Baptism Sunday here at Mission Point Community Church. Um, man, if you've never been part of one of these uh, pool parties that we throw in the honor of Jesus, I just want to give you a warning that uh, it might get a little crazy in here. People may get a little carried away. You think you know the person who's sitting next to you until we start baptizing folks, and they will bring out a little extra side in themselves. And um, we could not be more thrilled. Jesus Christ is still in the business of transforming lives. And um, this morning, throughout the course of the morning, we get to baptize at least 20 folks. That is unbelievable. We (laughs) praise Jesus. Woo! We wanna talk a little bit about this because again, if you're newer to this idea of baptism and you hear us losing our minds, uh, you may have a few questions. Um, You may wonder if we're just a bunch of hydromaniacs who are weirdly into water, but it is so much more than that. Um, Baptism, baptism. The word word may sound fancy, but uh, at the end of the day, it's a very simple ancient word. It simply means to submerge, or to immerse, to submerge or to immerse. And so here in a few moments, you are going to see us submerge some folks under this water over here on stage. And then we will, I promise, bring them back up out of the water. They will be a little more drenched for their work. But after that, they will have been baptized. That's it, by virtue of the fact that they were submerged beneath the water. And we will lose our minds. And the question is, why? So I want to talk a little bit about that. And uh, to do that, I'm going to start at the beginning, like way at the beginning of the story. And um, in order to do that, I've got to start with the bad news. The bad news. And the bad news is really bad news. Uh, Romans chapter 6, verse 23 puts it this way the wages of sin is death. That's bad news. If you sin, you die. That's bad news. God created the world, and um, one of the perks of creating the world is God gets to make up the rules. And one of the rules that God made as a holy and perfect God... Is that I want nothing less than holiness and perfection. Which means any thought or any attitude or any action that is not holy or perfect according to God is a crime against the empire of heaven. And this verse says it's not just a crime, it is a capital offense against heaven. No matter how great, no matter how small, no matter how often, no matter how few times, even a single violation of God's holy and perfect standard is a capital offense in his kingdom. If you sin, you die. And by the way, when the Bible uses this word death, it's speaking of it in more than just the physical sense. The the idea of death here is the idea of separation from God and suffering forever and ever and ever in a place called hell. That is really bad news. Sin against an everlasting God has everlasting consequences. And uh, man, the news gets a little worse than that. There is actually worse news. And the worst news is that you've sinned. I've sinned. If you can hear my voice, you are guilty of sin. Romans chapter three, verse 23 says it this way, for all have sinned and fall short of God's holy and perfect standard, have fallen short of the glory of God. All in this verse means all, which means you, which means me. Um, I realize this is not a popular thing in our culture to talk about. And I realize if you invited someone to church, you're like apologizing. I'm sorry, man. It's usually a little more positive than this, but this is the truth. And you would rather know this than be surprised one day to find out that this was the reality that you existed in the whole time. No matter how unpopular this conversation about this bad news that we've all sinned against the holy God and we've earned the capital sentence of eternal separation and suffering forever, that is not a popular message, but it is true. And the fact that we have all sinned may not be popular, but it is true. And you know it's true. In fact, if you don't think it's true, we could play a simple game. And in this game, I would have everybody who's able in the room to stand to their feet. We're not going to do it, but I would have you stand to your feet. And the game would be simple. If I call out a sin of some sort and you have ever committed it, sit down. And we would start simple, like if you've ever stolen, if you've ever taken something that doesn't belong to you without permission, including scrolling on company time on the Instagram sit down. You're guilty. If you've ever entertained a sexual thought about somebody you're not married to, guilty, sit down. If you've ever said something about someone behind their back that you knew would hurt them and you never talked to them about it, guilty. Sit down. Oh, and just Just three, there are about 680 more of these things. I'll be so curious to know at this point, how many of you would still be standing? Don't raise your hand. And if you would still be standing, by the way, it's because of one of two things. Either you're a newborn baby, which would be weird because you shouldn't be standing. (laughs) Or two, you're a liar, which is a sin. So sit down. I'm just trying to tell you, we know we've messed up. In fact, we've not only failed to keep God's holy standards, we can't even keep our own standards, and they're not holy, and they are not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. We've all sinned, we've all messed up, and we've earned the death penalty of suffering and separation from God forever and ever and ever. That is. Terrifying news. Oh, and the Bible says there is nothing any of us can do to fix it, which makes sense. If I've sinned, I cannot unsin. If I've been sentenced to eternal separation and suffering away from God, there is nothing I can do to unsentence myself. That is terrifying news. But who Praise God. That is not the end of the story and that does not have to be the end of your story. How many of you know the reason we get together on Sunday mornings? the reason we exist as a church is on account of the fact that the story doesn't end there. There is good news and it is really good News. It's actually tagged onto the end of the really bad news in Romans chapter 6. Look at this. It says, For the wages of sin, and we've all sinned, is death, eternal separation and suffering away from God forever and ever and ever. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That is incredible. News that there is a gift for the guilty. If you are guilty of sin and you are, there is a gift for you, that the God who is fully justified in sending sinful people like you and I to separation and suffering away from him forever and ever, a God who is justified in doing that, did instead the un thinkable, the thing we could not do for ourselves. Instead of giving us eternal death that we deserved, he offers us the gift of eternal life, free of charge in the person of Jesus Christ. Romans chapter five, verse eight says this, but God, he he demonstrates his own love for us, broken, messed up people in this while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still guilty of sin on eternal death row, Jesus died for us on what we call Good Friday 2,000 years ago. Jesus, the son of God, who had never committed a single sin, he would still be standing no matter how many sins we listed. That's Jesus voluntarily went to the Roman cross where he suffered and was separated from his father in order to take on himself the eternal death sentence that our crimes had earned against a holy God. That is goodness, that's crazy by the way. Because God offers us a gift, but here's the way it works. You sin, you die. I'm sorry, they sinned, someone has to die. And then God in his infinite love says, I know. I'm going to send my perfect son who has done nothing wrong to go to a cross and pay the penalty of death on behalf of guilty sinners. Why? Because I love them. Why? My world, my rules. If I decide to lavish my love on broken, messed up people, who is anyone to stop me? And in his love, sends his son into the middle of our sin and his son takes our sentence and God says, now forgiveness is offered to you as a gift because of what my son Jesus Christ has done. I don't know about you, but that is... Good news. It's love, by the way. Nothing you did to earn it. There is nothing you can do to fix what you have done. Oh, by the way, as the story goes, uh, three days later, that borrowed grave that he was in, Jesus broke up with death, busted up out of the grave as a way of saying, hey, my payment for sin has been accepted by God. That is a big deal because you can swipe a card. The question is, can you actually afford to pay the bill? And Jesus goes to the cross and he rises up from the dead to prove that his payment was fully accepted so God can freely offer a gift of forgiveness. To us. That is good news. Ah, but there's slightly better news. And the better news is no matter who you are, no matter where you're from, no matter what you've done, no matter how badly you've messed up, this morning, yesterday, it doesn't matter what you have done or how terrible you think it is. Free and full forgiveness is being offered to you as a gift today. No matter who you are, no matter what you've... I'm going to just say that again. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done. In fact, we could play a glorious game in which I asked everyone who's able to stand up. And then I would say, it's easy to win the game. If you want to win this game, just name your worst sin, the one you believe that Jesus could not forgive and the last person standing wins. And you would start naming the worst thing you've done, and all of heaven would be, ah, sit down. No, but you don't understand. Sit down. No, but I'm telling you, like last night, I sit down. When I was a teenager, do you know that this sit down, he'll forgive that too. what else? Sit down, and nobody would be standing. There isn't a single sin, a single mess that you've made that Jesus' sacrifice on the cross will not forgive. This is talking about you. It says, John chapter 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever, whoever believes shall not die eternally, but shall live eternally. Eternally, I love that word, whoever means whoever, and whoever means you. Whoever believes, which means the only thing left is a choice. The greatest choice you will ever make on earth. Will you choose to say yes to the free gift of Full forgiveness. Because when a gift is offered, that's that's the only choice you have. Do you receive the gift or do you reject the gift? Those are your only two options. And by the way, if I give you a gift and you say, "Mm, let me think about that. You've rejected the gift. Until you let me know otherwise. The greatest choice in the room on the table is do you receive the gift or do you Reject the gift. And let me just, let me ask this again. Do you receive the gift of free forgiveness of all of your sins and your eternal destiny being changed because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross at no cost to you, free of charge? Or do you reject that gift? Like, nah, I'm good. I'll take my chances with a holy God. Um, After Jesus Christ got up from the grave, um, he told his people, those who had said yes to him, go everywhere on earth and tell everybody about this gift. This is too good not to share. I love broken, messed up people. Make sure they find out, tell them that I am alive and I am freely offering forgiveness to anyone who wants it. All they have to do is say yes and receive the gift. Tell everybody, start in Jerusalem and make sure y'all get to Indiana, Warsaw. I've got some people there who need to hear about this. This is what he says. This is uh, Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. And Jesus came to them after he had risen from the dead. And he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Go. Make disciples, tell everybody about me and my free forgiveness of all nations, baptizing them. There it is, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Tell everyone about my forgiveness. And then he says, oh, and then baptize them. I want everyone who says yes to my free gift of forgiveness to get baptized, to get immersed, to get dipped in water. Why? Um, a couple of reasons. Well, one is a proclamation. Baptism, is, is, it's a proclamation. Um, it, it's, it's a way of going public with what Jesus has done for you. It's this beautiful proclamation. It's proclaiming to the world, I am forgiven, and Jesus is the one who did it. And I want y'all to know, um, I am shamelessly team Jesus, and baptism is like putting on the jersey. And Jesus says, if I forgive you, I want you to go public and make the proclamation of what I have done for you. The proclamation, but it's also a, a picture. It's a picture. Baptism paints this physical picture of what Jesus has done spiritually for everyone who says yes to Him. That's the beauty of this picture. When we put somebody under the water, is this picture of them dead and then watch out by the grace of God, the work of Jesus, they come back to life. New life, eternal life. That's the picture. It's a picture of Somebody who was covered in sin, being cleansed under the blood of Jesus Christ and coming up new and forgiven forever and ever and ever. Baptism is painting this beautiful picture of what Jesus has done in our lives. Please hear me. Baptism doesn't save anybody. It just paints a picture of the salvation that Jesus Christ has brought about. There's nothing magical about the water up here. Nothing at all. This is just painting a picture to the world of what Jesus Christ has done for everyone who said yes to him. Which is why we lose our collective mind. Because I'm just asking you, if this is a picture of somebody who was heading to hell and they met Jesus, said yes to his gift, and now the eternal destiny has changed forever and they're coming up out of the water like I am new and I'm heading to heaven, y'all, how should we respond? Yeah, we're going to lose our minds. We're going to act like Jesus won an eternal championship somewhere for someone, which is exactly what he has done. That's why there are no golf claps allowed. This is an epic moment, and we celebrate Jesus and the fact that he's still in the business of forgiving sinners and changing eternal mailing addresses. Baptism. But I've got to say this, y'all, before we keep going. Um, baptism is a command. Anyone who knows me knows how much it hurts me to move away from the words that start with P, like proclaiming picture and command. That didn't feel right, but I wanted to make sure we did not misunderstand this. If you've said yes to Jesus' forgiveness, baptism isn't an option. He's not asking you if you'd like to. It's a command. It's an order. If you've been forgiven, publicly paint the picture, make that proclamation. It is an order from Jesus to everyone who's been forgiven by him. And Jesus' followers, they understood this, and they started to carry on this very mission. I'll give you a quick example of this. This will be helpful to you. This is Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Um, And here's what it says. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, who was one of Jesus' followers, who was carrying out his instructions, right? Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And Father, we pray for what's happening in Gaza even right now. Verse 27. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandaki, which means the queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. Um so um, Philip, follower of Jesus, um, he, he meets this, the Ethiopian chief financial officer or whatever for uh, the entire empire of Ethiopia, And this guy apparently is desperately on a quest for hope. And maybe he's heard rumors about this Jesus guy in the Jerusalem area or whatever it is. And so he comes there um, and too late, whatever the case is. He is looking for something. And while he's in Jerusalem, apparently he doesn't find it. But he gets a copy of the scriptures and is heading back to Ethiopia, thousands of miles away. And he's reading the scripture, the scroll of um. Isaiah, as you see here in a moment, verse 28. And on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. And the spirit told Philip, go to that chariot, stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him in the blinged out chariot. And this is the passage of scripture that the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, great question. Tell me, please. Who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Philip is like. Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. What good news that Jesus was the perfect lamb of God who was led quietly to the slaughter on a cross to pay the death penalty for the sins that we had committed that you sir had committed, and now he freely offers the gift of forgiveness to you. The Ethiopian is like, this is what my soul has been searching for. He says an immediate yes to the gift of Jesus Christ, and his eternity is transformed forever on some back road in the middle of nowhere. And what is his first recorded question? I'll tell it to you. Verse 36, as they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here's water, what can stand in the way of my being baptized? Because however the good news was shared with him, it included the fact that if you say yes to this, Jesus wants you to go public in this picture and this proclamation of what he has done for you. And I love the question that the Ethiopian eunuch asks because we go the other way and we often say okay yeah i mean i've said yes to jesus but i mean can somebody please convince me why should i get baptized i'm not sure if i want to get baptized i don't want to get baptized this guy is saying can you give me any good reason sir philip why i should not get in the water right now and obey the command of jesus to paint this picture and make this proclamation jesus paid for my sins With his life, what should stop me from getting baptized? Verse 38, and he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip dipped him, immersed him, baptized him. I want to talk to two categories of people. The first category, you are sitting in this room or you're engaging this online and you have never said yes to the free gift of God's forgiveness. And I just want to ask you, what are you waiting for? What could possibly stand in the way of your eternity being changed right now, your sins being completely cleansed and forgiven Right now, you being made with, right with God in a moment, right now, what could possibly stand in the way of that? You may not have woken up with this on your mind, but heaven knew that today is the day of your salvation, the day in which you finally say yes to the free gift of God and experience full forgiveness. If you've never said yes to the gift, today is the day. And we're going to give you an opportunity right now. And what we're going to do is we're going to put a prayer up on the screen. And we'd love for you to look at this prayer. And then we're going to pray it together. Whether you're praying this for the first time or whether you've prayed this before, church, let's join together to pray with maybe the person who's praying it for the first time. And so if you can say these words with sincerity, if this is your desire with sincerity, then we want to pray this together. Amen? Let's pray this prayer out loud together. Jesus, I have sinned. I come to ask and receive your forgiveness. That's it. I'm not asking you how you feel. I'm telling you what is true about you. If you prayed that for the very first time, yo. In fact, come on, church. Can we celebrate on behalf of the person who may have prayed that for the first time? Woo! Freely and fully forgiven forever. You can walk out of this room And tell everybody, I'm forgiven. My eternal destiny has changed. I said yes to the gift. I want to talk to a second category in the room. You've said yes to Jesus, but you have never been baptized. What are you waiting for? Today is the day. What could possibly stand in your way? Today is the day. And I don't know what the reasons are. For some of us, maybe it's behavior. Like I I feel like I've got to get to a certain place of better behavior before I can be baptized. You don't behave your way into forgiveness. You believe your way into forgiveness. It's not about your behavior, and even if it was about your behavior, I'm curious to know, if it's really about behavior, then why on earth are you disregarding a direct order from Jesus? Then behave and get in the water. For some of us, it's like, I don't feel like I know the Bible well enough. How well do you suspect the Ethiopian eunuch knew the Bible? He had not gone to seminary, I promise when he got into the water. For some of us, it's like, I get nervous in front of people. That is the beauty of the courage it takes to say, Jesus, you are worth more to me, and what you've done is more to me than this feeling I have. And for some of us, that's it. I'm waiting. When I have the feeling, I'm going to get baptized. Do you know what that is? That's saying to Jesus, I'll get baptized when I feel like it. I wouldn't. And for some of us, it's like, well, I... I just, I just, I, I, I would, but I, I wasn't prepared. <laughs> we're prepared. We were prepared for you. You did not know this morning that you might be getting baptized. Look, Emily Hoover is moving to that baptism area right there. If the spirit of God is telling you today is the day for you to go public and paint the picture, we are ready for you. We have, we have clothes for you back there, promise. We have like hair dryers. We have like, like hair ties, we have deodorant, we have underwear even. That's how much we care about you. That's how much we want to say what could possibly stop you. We're going to have cameras here, people taking pictures, so that you can share this with Nana when that time comes. What could possibly stop you? Today is the day for you as a follower of Jesus Christ to get baptized if you haven't yet. And listen to me, if you prayed the prayer earlier for the very first time, (laughs) today is not just the day of your salvation, it's the day of your baptism as well. And so, man, we're going to sing a song here in a moment, and I'm going to encourage you, hey, go see Emily Um, And if you want, you can go out the back doors while we're singing. You can go around to your left and follow the signs, and you can join those who are getting baptized. I believe we have nine, ten scheduled for this service for baptism. We may have a few more. So as we sing, what is the Spirit of God inviting you to do? Father, thank you so much for your free gift Jesus, thank you so much for inviting us to be Team Jesus, forgiven fully and freely forever. We praise you. So we pray, Spirit, that you would move and stir in the hearts of many in this room. And for those of us who have said yes to you and maybe have been baptized, would you stir in us to carry on the good news of telling people about what you have done? Thank you, Jesus, that you are still in the business of transforming lives.